He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. What was it like starting over? I'm just, I, I, I guess it hurt, man. Yeah, it hurt. Like it was one. I, I think for humans, the embarrassing, humble, humbling yeah. part yeah. was worse than anything. Knowing that at this point I had failed people. Um, I failed family. I failed friends that believed in me and, and they put all their eggs in this basket mm -hmm. and realized that it was choices I made, decisions I made um, out of foolish arrogance that I hurt others. Mm -hmm. And it was emotionally, it was a very difficult time for me. I think you had talked about when you went to autograph, like the, the depression piece. And that was me, man. I, I'm already, I, I'm not a good sleeper as it is, never have been. During that time, it was bad. It was bad of me just trying to figure out, man, I thought I figured out my purpose. I leave an industry, the music industry. I dive headfirst into hospitality. I find early success and I feel like I found my purpose. And then this happens. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. Running a short-term rental business is challenging and time-consuming. Whether it's 10 units or 1,000 units, trying to keep up with the latest trends, technology, hardware, revenue management, guest support, and R&D, it's become almost impossible and increasingly more expensive for the everyday host. On top of that, all of this tedious work does not allow you to focus on what matters most, and that is your guest. Luckily, this will no longer be a problem. Introducing Journey's MOS, the newest and most advanced tech solution in hospitality. Journey's MOS provides you with a one-stop solution that will automate your entire operation and take care of all of your back office work, allowing you to fully focus on growing your business the way you want to. To learn more about MOS, visit Journey online at journey.com. That's journey, J-U-R-N-Y.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slicker, super excited to be here today, and I got an awesome founder on the show today. We have Chris Adams, who is just everywhere in luxury hotels. And so, Chris, my man, I want to just give you a quick opportunity to uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, thanks so much, man. And uh, one, thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. Much appreciated. Uh, my name is Chris Adams, and um, we have a, a brand by the name of Ellis Adams Group. And um, our whole world is built on um, really understanding the, the luxury side of the hospitality industry. And um, we have the, the pleasure of getting to open um, virtually every hotel that uh, brands like Marriott International uh, get to open between Canada down through South America, Caribbean, Latin America. Um, and that's from, you know, luxury brands like Ritz Carlton all the way through some of their distinctive uh, brands like AC Hotels and Moxie. And um, our team gets to, you know, I say we have the best jobs in the world, right? Yeah. We get to travel the world. We eat and drink for a living um, and really get an opportunity to pour into other people's lives. So um, that's the, the, the 10 second snapshot, I guess you can say of what we get to do. Yeah. The high overview. I love it. And you got an awesome background. So where are you at today? You're at the office and you, I think you, right. said, you said you're about to, uh, jump on a red eye right after Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, yeah, we are we are at the office. I mean, honestly, if you see the backdrop, there's worse places to have as an office, right? Sure. Um, it's sometimes difficult to get things done, as I feel like we should be in like R and D mode at all times. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're actually I, I got to get home for just a couple of days, and um, on a red eye Thursday night, uh, right after going to enjoy Thanksgiving, um, and then on a plane off to the next. So the next. Uh, it never ends, right? Never ends. It never ends, and so. Uh, before we get into your journey, how many hotels have you guys opened um, under? under oh God, your, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. It sounds like it's. Um, I, I think the the last number in in calculations over the years of doing this um, over 500. Wow, wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, okay, well let's 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 chop it up a bit. I want to know what was the, I guess the pivotal moment that in your life, pre hospitality, what how did you even get into the space? Um, to then even build off this career of, of opening 500 luxury, beautiful hotels around the world. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how it happened as um, I didn't grow up in the hospitality industry, right? I, 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 didn't, um, I didn't have a server job through school. I didn't, you know, bartend in college. Um, like you hear that story so many yeah. times. Um, I actually, I grew up in the entertainment industry. Okay. And on the music side. And then randomly, um, I guess late teens, um, got kind of pushed into a summer gig um, and stumbled into the hospitality industry. Um, by chance, had no idea that this is what I was going to do. Um, and it was for Ritz Carlton. Mm. And the Ritz Carlton Hotel Company literally, um, it changed my life. Um, and I know that sounds crazy to, to say <laughs> about a brand, but. Um, I had no idea when I walked into that hotel that day. It was a pre-opening um, property, so it was the first hotel I ever opened um, as a as a part-time pool attendant. Um, <laughs> shockingly enough, I, I say to this day, one of the best jobs I've ever had. Yeah. Um, that I was sitting in um, kind of what they call a countdown uh, leading into the opening, and you're going through a lot of culture training and really understanding the brand immersion piece of opening a hotel. Um, I'd never been exposed to this before. Mm. My father was a psychologist um, and spent a lot of time um, doing leadership workshops for for companies. So I was around that that environment growing up, but I'd never worked or been exposed in this capacity. And um, I think it was day two of this 10-day countdown. Like, I, I mean, when I tell you I bought in, I drank the Kool-Aid hard, man. <laughs> um, I say if, there, if I could have gone out like on day two and got like a massive lion's head, the Ritz logo on my back right now, I would, I would have one, right? I mean, like I just – I bought in hard and I embraced it. Um, I fell deeply in love with it. And that was, that's literally when my life changed. Um, that's the moment when I realized this is it. This is my destiny. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, regardless of what you believe in that, I felt yeah. like this was the moment I found my calling. Yeah. No, I, I relate to that story because a lot of the listeners know that I have a pre-chat with every guest, right? So, um, you know, we talk about your, your story and this is what, when, you know, going through the emails and of, of potential guests to have on the show not only was your, your career that you built really incredible, but like getting to talk to you beforehand, like that was the same way for me. I started with the autograph collection with Marriott and I was super confused and depressed and like just always jumping job to job and never understood like what did I want to do with my life? Um, also living off of other people's expectations for what they wanted me to do as a, as a young man in the world. Um, and when I got into that hotel, I, like you said, I drank the Kool-Aid, fell in love and, and that, that changed everything. And so that's why when, you and I got to talking. I was like, I, I love, I love your story. Um, so from there, from being a pool attendant, where, where did that lead to? What, um, I guess what, and maybe give you, give us some like two to three key takeaway, like fundamentals that just were instilled. Uh, cause mine, mine today is still my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. Like never, <laughs> never do I say of course anymore. I, I'm always my pleasure cause I have a guy. So yeah. I know, right? There, there, it's funny how you can. I can look back on my career and you know, twenty plus years now of doing this, and there are things that were ingrained in me on on that that first week of being yeah. kind of indoctrinated into the Ritz Carlton world. That to this day, that's just who I am. Yeah. It's it's part of my DNA makeup at this point. Um, and you know, for us at our company, it's it's weird through the transitions of of, of working away at the ladder at Ritz Carlton and finding success and then massive failures and, and, you know, back and forth. Um, my dad played a huge role in, um, the launch of our brand, um, and kind of where we are to this day. Um, and 
one of the things that he helped me understand um, in the midst of finding success and failure mm-hmm. is looking at creating processes yeah. um, to, to guarantee success, so to speak. Right. Um, and that's tough to do in, in a business that's dependent on people, right? People are, <laughs> there's, there's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes the response you get from, from humans. Yeah. Um, but this is the closest thing you can find to um, almost guaranteeing some form of success. And, what I didn't realize is that was being done, you know, in, in those first few days at Ritz Carlton, whether it was intended or not, and I believe it was very intentional, of realizing that we have to create habits and those habits dictate our behavior, right? So we need those written processes. And that's step one. Step two is those habits, um, those processes create habits. And then that leads into step three that dictates our behavior. And you see it to yourself today that at some point in time earlier in your career with Autograph Collection, um, they had a written process somewhere that, and they had accountability, yeah. which forced a habit upon you, which is now dictate your behavior from here on out. And I remember sitting in these rooms and the certainties and my pleasures and holding doors for guests. And if yeah. there's a guest in the elevator, you let them go and wait for the next one. All those things that, you know, you're sitting there learning it in the midst of now 20 plus years later, um, that's just who I am. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really the foundation that, that core um, no matter how much our industry alters and changes and evolves, um, there's still a core foundation that will never change, and that's what the hospitality industry is. Yeah, 100%. I, I believe the core foundation that never changes statement is 100% true. Um, so with you moving up to Ritz-Carlton, um, I'm kind of curious, when when was the point that you pivoted to creating your own business? Because I always find it really fascinating uh, when guests on the show – started out as an employee and then jumped to founder, uh, employer, uh, it's a different mindset. It's a different everything. So I'm kind of curious for you what that, that shift looked like. It happened the first time when I, um, I was super arrogant and thought I had this all figured out. You know, I, um, I, I had worked my way up the ladder with Carlton and found early success. And I was like, this is easy. I was like, I don't understand why people struggle so hard with food and beverage and hospitality. Like this is, it's no problem. Um, and that was uh, the, I, at first I would say it was the first mistake I made. Um, I could tell you in, in hindsight, it was the best thing I could have ever done because it's all part of the process to get us where we're supposed to be. Um, how you respond to those things, it determines what's next. And I walked away after just a couple of years of the Carlton, um, to launch my first projects. Mm-hmm. And, um, the front side of that was extremely successful. Uh, my first project I did uh, on my own, essentially, or away from the brand. Um, I mean, we we did really great. And all it did was spur my arrogance and thinking that I actually had this figured out. When you, um, say, when and, you say project, are you saying something like a, your own owned property or is it was just a different brand? Yeah. Um, no, I had my own restaurants okay. and, and bars and, gotcha. and multiple, multiple, right? Okay. Not, a, not one. And um, that led to me thinking, I've got this figured out. Let's yeah. do more. Like yeah. if, if a little is good, a lot's even better, right? <laughs> yeah. um, family got involved. Like, oh, my God, Chris is crushing it. Here's money, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and um, that led to, you know, arguably one of the most humbling, um, embarrassing, right, yeah. moments of my life of of losing everything mm-hmm. and, and realizing very quickly I had no clue what I was doing. Um, I was in I had a right place, right time, right circumstances that made me believe that I had this figured out. Yeah. Um, and that was that was part of the process for me. That was part of that learning process and humbling yeah. of realizing, hey, man, step back, um, open your ears, shut your mouth, um, learn, learn, take in everything you can, ask questions, look at those that are successful and and dig deep. And that started that started my journey um, at that point of really digging in deep to understanding what true leadership is. Mm. My obsession with understanding hospitality from, um, from a psychological standpoint yeah. of really leaning heavily on my father um, to help me dive into research and really understanding behavioral patterns of guests and, and why do we do the things that we do as humans and um, um, a, a true guide to anticipation of guest needs, which yeah. is very Ritz Carlton. Yeah. Um, and so that was that started that journey was that massive failure I had um, that put me back on the right path for me to to take the steps necessary um, to kind of get me where where we are today. What What was it like starting over? I'm just 
I, I guess it hurt, man. Yeah. It hurt. Like it was, um, one, I, I think for humans, the embarrassing, humble, humbling yeah. part yeah. was worse than anything. Um, knowing that at this point I had failed people. Um, I failed family. I failed friends that believed in me and, and they put all their eggs in this basket mm-hmm. and realized that it was choices I made, decisions I made um, out of foolish arrogance um, that I hurt others. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was emotionally, uh, it was a very difficult time for me. I think you had talked about when you went to autograph, like the, the depression piece. And like, yeah. I mean, that was me, man. I, I'm already, a, I, I'm not a good sleeper as it is, never have been during that time. Yeah. I mean, it, it was bad. It was bad of me just trying to figure out, man, I thought I figured out my purpose, right? Yeah. I, I leave an industry, the music industry. I dive headfirst into hospitality. I find early success, and I feel like I found my purpose, and then this happens. Yeah. And, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know – was I completely off base? Did I need to walk away from the industry? Is this not for me? Um, and so it was, a, it was a challenging time for me to just figure it out. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people – like when you have your purpose challenged like that, uh, it it puts a lot of questions uh, into into your into your space, whether it's through thought, through emotion, through just yeah unintentional and, habits. And I you think you, you look at where we're at in society right now, right? Yeah. We live in a very um, social media driven world, right? Yes. I, I read a study the other day that said over ninety percent of all decision making is done based on social influence, right? That that's a that's a scary statistic. Um, and I think when you look at, we gauge ourselves, not based on our own success, but on, on others perception of us, Yeah. right. That that's the world we live in now. And that's a, that's a, that's a depressing, um, people, people root for you until you find success and then they want to see you fail. Right. I mean, it's just, it's this weird demented space we live in and in a society right now. And I think I was going through that moment of me trying to define my purpose based on other people's interpretation of me. And yeah. that is a, that, that is a, that's a very difficult way for you to find um, satisfaction for you to find who you are as an individual, for you to tap into your passion. Right. And yeah. I, I've always said, I believe that everybody on this planet has God given abilities, whether you, whatever God you believe yeah, 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 in, yeah, right. Yeah. Not to get into the religious debate, <laughs> whatever God you believe in, I believe everyone has certain talents and gifts that were just bestowed upon them at birth. For sure. And I think where you find true happiness is when you can find where they, where they intersect your passion as well as those natural gifts that you have. Mm-hmm. And when you can find that crossroads, that's when you really start to find purpose for yourself, which isn't defined by others. It's not, but it's not me looking at someone else's house, looking at what they drive and say, oh my God, I'm going to let their purpose define my passion, sure. right? It's me saying, no, no, no. What am I naturally gifted at? And where does that intersect with what I'm passionate about? And when you figure that out, um, it's a game changer for your future. Yeah, no, seriously. It sounds like uh, it's a deadly combination. That doesn't yeah. sound like we both know it's a deadly combination. We we're, we're in that, we're in that space. Um, I, yeah, man, you just said so many good things in that, in that just that one little spurt. Down. It's, it's so good. Um, okay, so you're you're starting over, and you say you leaned in heavily into your father. So I want to kind of maybe dive into the psychological side of anticipation of guest needs, um, the way you were just starting over when you're asking questions, mentorship, all the stuff. Talk me through the phases of getting from restart button just being pressed and hit to then kind of scaling back up into – obviously getting back into the success, getting back into my purpose is here. It is, it is working. Like I, I just needed a reset. I needed to be humbled. I needed to learn from not only what I was doing successful then, but how can I even better it now? You know, I think a a few things happened. Um, I, I stepped back and, um, I got back into reading. Okay. Um, um, I got back into and, and reading stuff that I knew was going to be uh, part of that self edification, right? It yeah. was um, reading content that was going to make me a better person, regardless of what direction my life went. Um, so that was a huge piece of it. Getting getting my my head in the right space mm-hmm. um, was extremely important in figuring out what the next step was. Me trying to transition from failure finding a new purpose, dive into it. It does. It wasn't going to work that way for me yeah. at that point. I needed to get me figured out first. I needed to have tough conversations with myself. Mm. Um, I needed to figure out what, uh, what do I not know? 
Um, I needed to lean back on those individuals that I had, you know, crossed paths paths with over the years and say, wait a minute, they did something really right. Um, Let me, let me kind of dig into them a little bit. And um, I, I made sure that my circle that I had around me at the time was extremely important for me. Mm. Um, Those that were, were kind of pouring back into me um, at that time. Um, I had, uh, at that time I was a very big John Maxwell fan. Okay. Um, his leadership books were, you know, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership was like my, it was my Bible. Um, and uh, one of his books later on had what he called his, um, his thinking circle. Mm. And he basically had like 15 or 20 categories uh, that he felt were very important to make him well-rounded. And that was everything from spirituality to business relationships on down the line. And he identified an individual, a person that he felt was the best of the best in that specific category, whether he knew them or not. And he put their name next to it, and he made sure that he did everything he could to try and find a way to either spend time with them, read their books if he didn't know them, but allow them to pour into him in that area that he felt they were great at. And I did I, – I basically replicated it. I created my thinking circle of people that in each category I felt were the best of the best. Um, I did, I did a little different people, only people that I could actually get in contact with. Um, and I'm, I literally set calendar invites for myself that they didn't know it, but I would reach out X, X number of weeks, um, to try and get 10 minutes at the, just 10 minutes of their time to just catch up. And in their mind, it was us just doing a catch up for me. I was, I was in school. I was literally just studying. I was listening I was watching what they do, how they do it, how they respond, um, how they stood, looking at their mannerisms. I mean, I literally just took myself back to school. Um, and I think a combination of a lot of those things put together helped propel me to get me to a place where I, I felt like one day I woke up and went, I'm out of this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not in the funk anymore. Uh, I'm making headway. I'm making strides. And crazy enough, I went back to Ritz-Carlton. Oh, really? Um, it, it's It's funny. They were they were the brand that that helped me find my purpose, I believe. For sure. Um, and they were the brand that that jumped in with it, and they didn't know it at the time, and and pulled me out of my funk and mm. and got me back where I need to be. And so, uh, as a result, I have a very um, special place in my heart, to say the least, for that for that brand. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, do you do you feel like you're still in school? Like even now, like you you got pulled out of uh, of it with Ritz Carlton and everything. But I don't know. I just feel like with the amount of properties you guys are, have done and are doing, um, the, the, the luxury sector in hospitality itself is a completely different beast than opening up, you know, mm-hmm. just your, your normal courtyard or, or whatever. It's, it's a whole lot, whole lot different. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of curious, do you feel like you're, you're still in school? Every day, every day, every day. Um, and I, I say this often, the minute that we're not taking advantage of the opportunity every day to learn something mm-hmm. you're done yeah you're done and I, i've made that mistake I, I i lived it i did it um it, and now i pride myself on not knowing everything sure. i pride myself on not having it figured out um i think and you had talked about this kind of early on in this the transition from employee yeah. to now owning and running the company dude it was tough it yeah. was tough. Um, all the things that I found success doing when I worked for a brand did not necessarily translate with my own brand. Mm. And it was a very – like I was like, oh, crap, man. This is uh, – I, I need to go back to school again. Thankfully, I identified it. Yeah. I was like, ooh, this isn't uh, – you know, I caught it early, um, and I had to really dive deep into figuring out how to be a CEO how to be an owner of a company. And it's one thing like to call yourself like, Oh, you're a CEO. You're, yeah. and, and you're, you're when you start employee. expanding, yeah. you're the only employee yeah. like sleeping on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. When you start expanding and now you've got a team of individuals and you've got, and that grows and grows and grows. And you realize these individuals are dependent on me making great choices. Like their livelihood, their futures are dependent upon me. And that's where I really started to understand and, um, really diving into the leadership piece and how vitally important it is and how I believe leadership is a heavy mantle. 
It is a, it is not, it is not based on a title. It is not based on a position. It is something, it is a privilege. Um, and I take it very, very, very seriously. Um, I, I talk about it a lot with our team, um, to the point they probably get sick of me talking about it. And I force books on them to read at different times of things that I feel are going to be a benefit to, to all of us. Um, because that leadership piece, I started to understand my role. And understanding as a, as a leader, it is my job to wake up every day and make my team better than they ever thought they could be. It is my job to, to pull something out of them that they didn't realize they had. It is my job to identify um, talents that they didn't realize that were inside them. Yeah. That's my job. It's my job to clear the path for them, to hire amazingly talented, smart individuals that are way better than me and let them be great. Clear the path help motivate them, push them, cast a vision, give them a roadmap and clear the path so they can actually go be great. Um, and so it was a transition for me to understand my role of, of leaving a brand to having a brand yeah. and, and how does that actually work? I've said this on Slick Talk many times before and as time goes on, it becomes more and more true. Operators have been so used to multiple logins, different dashboards, and overall segregated data points for their hospitality brand. I'm proud to say this is no longer going to be the case for the industry. As a podcast partner, Journey MOS is made for operators by operators. One dashboard, one solution to keep your business in shape and ahead of the competition. If you think this is too good to be true, then you need to go to journey.com, that is J-U-R-N-Y.com, to learn how Journey MOS can get you ahead of the big players in your market. And now, back to the episode. For sure, and I, I all the stuff that you just said just kind of helps, it reflects, a, a lot of my listeners don't know, I was actually supposed to be a pastor. Uh, I was supposed to go, I went to Bible college, I dropped out. Um, I was a summer camp pastor for two years in a row, like all this other stuff. And I always told kind of, and I, and I apply this now differently in a different factor in the sense of I'm not a pastor, obviously I'm far from, uh, but you know, when you're in that leadership position, you are given a, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy bear, like cross to bear, I guess is in, mm-hmm. uh, in a way to say it. Um, you, you know, like you said, you know, my team's dependent on me to make really good decisions. I don't think a lot of people understand. They think leadership is, I'm going to be the center of attention. I'm going to be in the front of the pack. I'm going to be the one that's in the spotlight all the time. It's actually far from it. You're the one that's, uh, excuse my language, you're you're the one that's scrubbing the shitters. You're the one that's um, doing all the other stuff that nobody else wants to do. Because like you said, if you're clearing the path for your team, you're identifying something unique and a skill set in your, let's say, my executive assistant, I see she's very gifted at um, uh, at identifying people that she can relate with. And it's just a small little sentence. She can grab that and she can run with it and make them feel like at home. Um, you know, seeing that that type of gift, that type of, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe passion is a, a word for it too. But seeing that, making sure that you can clear the path, making sure that there's more room for her to grow in that way. Just like what you're doing, but on a bigger scale with multiple team members, with multiple leaders underneath that are leading other teams and vice versa. Uh, it's, it's a lot to take on. And, and I'm kind of curious because on an entrepreneur standpoint, um, you know, I just started, I, you asked me uh, before we started recording, how's, how was the move to, to Colorado? How, how are you enjoying it? And I've made a lot of lifestyle changes. I've, I've started working out and, meal prepping i'm eating healthier i'm not ordering uber eats every meal congrats man and that's yeah. before new year's yeah, that's I, impressive I <laughs> before yeah before but like i was running my own company you know based off of fast food and and eating out and i didn't work i haven't worked out since i got out of the military um you know all this other stuff it was just like okay there's there's a lot of changes but for you as an entrepreneur did you find that like i always compared like whether you hate them or love them jeff bezos says you know in the morning uh, I, it's my putter time. I wake up, I read the news, I have my coffee, I hang out with the kids, I send them off to school. Um, and then I don't have a meeting in my first like exact high end meetings are at 10 AM. I, cause that's how I operate best. That's, that's when I can make the best decisions. That's when I can be more clear in thought. Like, do you have a certain thing for yourself? Um, as you're, you know, now at this scale with your guys' company? Yeah, I think the big thing for me is first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and re- you know, I live in an, in every time zone you could think of. So um, yeah. whether it's 3 a.m., 8 a.m., 10 a.m. Is, is almost irrelevant for me at this point. Um, 
what I found though, is that we don't wake up every day motivated. Mm. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't mm. care how, how much you read and how passionate you are about life. Yeah. You don't wake up every single day, like ripping over the, the blinds and like a beautiful day. Right. <laughs> and so, um, I find it's extremely important for me that the minute I wake up, similar to kind of what you just said about, about Jeff, where it's, you wake up and I have to get in the right headspace. Yeah. That choice that I make in that moment when I wake up determines the rest of my day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could either, some days I wake up and man, I am, I wake up in a mood that is just, let's take over the world. And (laughs) five minutes later, I'm ready to jump on calls and dive into it. And there's some days where I need a minute. Mm -hmm. I needed a minute to either get my head space right. I need a minute to crack open one of my books and just read a little bit to get me in the right space. But I know for a fact that if I really want to find success today, that I have to start it in the right headspace. And I think we don't realize how much, and this became real evident for me that 20 plus years ago, uh, well, I guess 20 years ago, I sat in a room and didn't realize that I made a choice. Yeah. I made a choice to be different. I made a choice to to dive into an industry I knew nothing about. And 20 years later, I have one of the greatest jobs in the world, right? Yeah. That was all based on a, a choice I made that day. And that could have been a day where it was a rough day. It was a bad day. I didn't feel like being there and I completely let everything fly out the other side and didn't take advantage of it. But I get to do what I do today. I get to pour into others. I get to live the life that I live because I woke up that day mm-hmm. and whether I knew it or not, I made a choice. That was so that that was so real for me that I never forget it. And I never want today to be that day that the next opportunity comes in front of me, but I made a choice to not be ready for it. Yeah. I made a choice to not be in the headspace to take advantage of it. And that has been my my saving grace of every day I've got to be prepared for whatever that moment is that's gonna fall in front of me that I, I gotta be ready for it. For sure. And that just that just brought a, a memory. Uh, I, I, I used to say, because um, I, I think back in my front desk days, right? Like I think about you know the line of people. The tough gig, man. Dude, the front desk was. I started off with seventeen hundred seven or seven hundred seventeen rooms as a first time front desk agent. Like ne- I walked in, and applied, I got hired on the spot, and they threw me to the wolves. Like it was like no, yeah, that never happened. Uh, no, never. Not in <laughs> hospitality at all. Um, but I just like, I always, there, when I started the podcast, I've had early on conversations and I had like a dawning moment, kind of what you're just saying was, you know, you, you make a decision 20 years ago, I made a decision that shifted my whole life towards this, this success and failure to then just restarting it and creating the, the best job and the best thing I could ever do in my life. Um, and I think about like when I was front desk agent, it'd be all right, Mr. And Mrs. Smith and photo, uh, photo ID, debit or credit card, blah, 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 doing the whole thing. But there's so many moments in that interaction that are in our heads. We just don't choose to listen or act on them. Um, and you don't even realize it. Like, I think back now, like, you know, there were so many guests I could tell they were in a bad mood. I could tell they were grumpy. I could tell they were not happy with the experience that they were having right at the gate. And I chose just to put my head down and just like, all right, just get them their keys, get them the hell out of here. Um, granted, I could have, there's been moments I could have, I could have said something like, hey, you guys doing okay? How was the trip? Tell me about your, tell me about your journey. Are you, yeah. do, you, do you need a drink? Do you want some food? Like, can I t- get someone to grab your luggage? Whatever it may be. But I chose to ignore it. Um, and I think there's so many moments in our life and throughout our day that it's, I don't know, the more self-aware that we can be of those, like you, you're talking about that mm-hmm. decision, that one decision, um, dude, it's, it's going to be, like, I think a lot of people would understand that their life and day-to-day happiness would change just by, all right, my roommate seems a little upset today. Probably had a rough day at work. You normally don't talk to him, but let's, hey, let's talk. Let's let's talk it out. Does he need to go for a walk? Do we need to go run through Costco just to run through Costco for no apparent reason? I don't know. Uh, but like just little things like that, and I think a lot of people would understand it more. Do you feel that there's a lot more? Um, do you? I don't know. Maybe this is a dumb and random question, but. In the industry, do you think there's more that we can do as service providers rather than because you're in the luxury space? So, like, this is like supposed to be ingrained into you, right? This is something that is at the forefront. I'm just more, more or less. Curious. Yeah. You know, there's a part of hospitality, man, that I don't care how much you're taught, mm-hmm. I don't care how many workshops you sit in. Um, there comes a point, it's an industry that is driven on heart. 
And those that make the biggest impact are those that care the most. Um, if you really want to impact someone's life, if you really want to make like, they'll take find those moments. Yeah. I call them pink elephants okay. um, pink in, elephant. in hotels. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you that story in a minute. <laughs> but if you really want that, that's driven on, do you care? Do you legitimately care about these individuals that you've never met, mm. their experience? Yeah. So for me, the reason this was so, so um, I don't say easy, but I, I got it. It clicked was growing up, my grandparents had a four bedroom home mm -hmm. and I didn't realize until getting into this industry that I grew up with, in my opinion, being introduced to the first hoteliers that I had ever, I had ever met. And that's because that fourth bedroom at their house, well, there was never a time that there wasn't someone staying in it that I didn't know, mm. right? But at the end of their stay, they were uncle so-and-so or aunt so-and-so, and I don't know where they came from, but yeah. <laughs> I guess they're family, right? Because they, if you were down on your luck, if you were in between jobs, if you were just passing through town, that was the house that everybody was at. When we would come back, me and friends at three o'clock in the morning, my grandmother was up ready to cook something. Like wow. I can, I have friends this day tell stories of her pancakes and her making, you know, homemade hamburgers at three o'clock in the morning. And I look back and I go, that was, that's hospitality. Yeah. They didn't do it because they had to, they did it because they legitimately cared about others. Yeah. And this industry is driven. It has to be driven on people. The fact that I I actually care about you. Yeah. I care about you. Yeah, again, I've never met you, but as a human being standing across from me, I want to make sure that you're having an amazing day. Mm -hmm. And I want to do whatever I can in my power to do what I can to give you that amazing day. And and I think that's that's the struggle part we have in our industry right now For is sure. the transition from job to that's who I am. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's the, that transition from, well, the tasks that I'm supposed to complete today are all checked yeah. versus the individual that says, no, no, give me your luggage. No, wait a second. You were on a red eye. I'm sending coffee to your room. Yeah. Nope. Leave your bags here. Head to the head to breakfast. I'll take care of this for you. Those individuals that legitimately care, that's, that's those one in a million experiences you find at these hotels Typically, it's a luxury hotel that are trying to hire the top 1% of the industry of those that they just have a heart for people. How has that been recently for you guys with all this, you know, with the pandemic, with the shift in, in the whole world, basically the last two years? Um, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of curious, how is that? How have you guys been able to keep keep that that spirit alive within the within the team? It's tough. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not even it's not sugarcoated. It, it's difficult. We're dealing in in a in a world right now that no one ever, there's no playbook for this. Mm -hmm. There's no, Oh, when this happens, you know, pull out the folder of, of how we handle it. No one knows. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not the, the, the financial crash. It's not, this is something that no single person on the planet knew how to handle this situation. And everybody's really quick to sit back and play Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. This is what they did wrong. This is what they should have done. Um, that's, that's easy. That's so easy to sit back and tell everyone what they should have done. Yeah in a situation that no one in, in any of our lifetimes have ever experienced before. Sure. And so, you know, I, we're coming, we're coming out of this pandemic, Lord willing yeah, that, on. yeah. Um, that you've got the past two years, roughly of individuals that worked in the hospitality industry for God knows how long. And unfortunately in the U S um, most people at a line level position, didn't wake up at 13 or 14 and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a bartender. <laughs> That's that like, right. I mean, it's one of those things, like it's a position at a line level that most of us fell into while we were doing something else, because it was a, it was a, a stopgap between something else we're doing. It was never the long-term idea that this was our career. Yeah. And then you wake up 17 years later and go, crap, this is what I do. Yeah. Right. And so for many of these line level positions, which is a huge struggle for us right now that we're facing here in our industry, this is the first time in 10, 15 years that at five o'clock, their friend said, do you want to grab a beer? And they went, yeah, because I'm home. Yeah. Because typically I work every night. Yeah. 
And it was the first time on the weekend their friend says, hey, you want to come over for a barbecue? And they go, yeah, because I'm home because they typically work weekends. And last Christmas was the first Christmas they got to sit across from their grandparents for the first time in 10 plus years and go, this is what it feels like. Because normally I work every holiday. Yeah. And they go, so why am I doing this? Why am I getting paid $2 and some odd cents an hour as a server and praying to God that you like me enough in a thankless job to leave me 20% so I could feed my family? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, when you break it down, yeah, I understand why they don't want to come back. I understand why Amazon or Home Depot or Costco goes, that seems like a great career. You know, yeah. they're offering me benefits. I get home every day at five o'clock. I'm off on the weekends. I get to spend time with my family on the holidays. Um, we, we brought this on ourselves mm-hmm. in our industry here in the U.S. We created this, right? We, we transitioned an industry that was about people. It was about heart. And we turned it into this massive multi-billion, probably trillion dollar industry that's all based on P&Ls, hedge funds, real estate groups. Yeah. It's no longer about my grandparents where, hey, you're having a tough time. Come stay with us. Yeah. Now it's how much can I squeeze out of you? What, what more can we get out of them? How do, we, how do we cut costs? How do we make more money? How do we put more to the bottom line? And here we are. Here's where we found ourselves where now this isn't one of those the financial crisis where, okay, eight months from now, we anticipate things ramping back up and we'll yeah. be good. This is a moment in history that I believe we'll be able to look back on and say, this is when it all changed mm. for hospitality. This is the moment that things transition from what we always knew to what it's going to become. And I think right now, most of us in this industry, at least at a high level, are trying to figure out what is it? Yeah. What is next? What's the 2.0 version of what we're supposed to be doing? Guess what more? They have more demands than they've ever had before because their dollar means more to them now. Yeah. They don't mind spending it, but that experience has to be equivalent to the price point. And you, you, there, there's no wiggle room in that anymore. So the guests want more for the dollar that they're paying. Yet at most of our properties, we have um, labor models that are less than they've ever been before. So we have less people to execute with a guest that wants more out of it that are paying more money. That equation doesn't work. That two plus two is not going to equal five, right? <laughs> and I think that's a challenge that we're all facing right now. Yeah. And do you think we're going back to the heart? Are we going back to people? Are we going back to purpose-driven hospitality? Or is it uh, – do you see it, um, I guess, maybe stay my, – my biggest concern and worry has been that during COVID, everyone wants contactless, everyone wants better experiences, everyone wants mobile, you know, friendly. They want it to be instant. Um, Airbnb, obviously, like was a big thing that took off. You, you, my, and my biggest worry was that the the industry was going to be like, all right, let's give them what they want, let's get it, let's let's just recover, let's just get, let's just, I don't care how much we have to spend, let's do it. But then things open up, the the world, uh, you know, domestic travel skyrocketed, international just opened not too long ago, and the flights are full. TSA is seeing two point five million people traveling a day, like all this type of stuff. Are we going to progress back? And you're like, all right, cool. Right, we don't have to. We don't have to make any changes. We don't have to think about um, you know, automation and technology and shifting the the experience and, and giving our staff better benefits, higher hourly rate, yada yada yada. Um, I'm I'm just curious. Do you see that? Um, look, we're seeing we're seeing people travel like never before. Yeah. Um, but we we don't have the staff to take care of them. I mean, we have hotels that have eight and nine concepts within their their hotel, and they've got one open. Yeah. And they've only got one open, not because there's not demand for it, because they don't have the people to staff it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's a little bit of a tug of, tug of war happening right now between what I think our owners hope happen and everything just miraculously kind of goes back to normal and everybody comes back to work and let's just, let's just go about our day mm-hmm. and act like things never happen. Yeah. And the reality is that that's not happening. We're not seeing like this influx of like, oh, finally, people accepted it and they're coming back to work. That's not happening. Um, so I think as long as that tug of war happens, it's going to force some form of change. Is it going to happen as quick as I'd like to see it happen? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. I can, I can remain optimistic. Um, but I think it's, it's going to force some level of change. Um, you know, I think that our ability to find a way to integrate technology alongside what we do in hospitality is a necessity. I think it's a given. I don't think there's not too many people that would probably argue that. Yeah. I think how we do that is important. 
I think how we figure out how to um, how to, to make that seamless integration between technology um, and the human piece that people crave, whether we whether we like it or not, as human beings, yeah. I know we get so plugged into our phones and we think like I don't need to talk to another human being. Like I got my phone, yeah. I've got social media. Well, I think COVID proved that about three, four months into it, people were, were craving human interaction. Um, naturally, that's just who we are. It's how we're built. That's how we're made. So I think finding that balance between the two is going to be extremely important. And I think that there's some groups out there that will probably be a little, be a little more aggressive than others yeah. at, at finding a way to minimize the damage on this and, and bridge the gap a little bit. And I'm praying that whoever it is that does it makes enough of an impact that others start to follow. Um, notoriously, our industry is, is not aggressive in change. Mm -hmm. We wait for somebody else to do it and see if it works. And then yeah. if, they, if it works, then we all jump on board and they were the pilot program, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm praying some pilot program out there takes off and everybody goes, oh my God, that's it. That's the answer. Yeah. And we immediately start pivoting over to it. And that's, yeah. that's what, you know, that's the hope. What about you guys? What's next? What what with opening so many hotels? I think the the, the number I read in, in the email was a hundred hotels within quarter three and quarter four of this year. So uh, explain what's yeah yeah it's um it's crazy busy um and I'm mean, obviously super grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, you know, hotels are continuing to open slash transition to other, um, other brands or renovation projects, you name it, yeah. uh, that's happening right now. So that's great to see. There's still, there's a lot of movement still happening in the industry. There's still money that's flowing, um, from a construction and investment standpoint. Um, you know, for us, we've been so fortunate over the past few years to be able to expand. And, and really grow our brand that, you know, our, the division of our company that opens hotels obviously is, is busier than they can handle. Yeah. You know, we're continuing to bring people onto the team that are the, that are a good fit that makes sense for what we're doing and where we're going. Um, the design side of our company is, is blowing up, um, which is super unique to see as um, you're taking, you know, the design piece, we're designing full hotel, not just food and beverage, but you've got operators that are heavily involved in this, right? So it's not just designers that are designing a gorgeous space. Now you've got operators heavily involved with the functionality of the space and how does it affect our teams and then the guest experience and all those things. So I think because of that, we've seen a real explosion on the design side awesome. um, of, our, of our company. Um, the, the, the tech side and things that we, we have our hands in on the tech side and uh, real estate investments, we, we're doing our best to expand and diversify, um, in the right ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I've made the mistake in the past of like, oh my God, we're winning. Let's just grow. Yeah. And, you know, I think having a little bit more strategy, um, behind how we grow and the direction we grow. And as a result, we, we're really reaping the benefits of it right now. So um, a lot happening, a lot on the horizon. We have some ownership. Um, we have some hotel projects coming up. And so, um, you know, the sky's the limit. Never know what's going to happen. I'm just excited to, to continue to, to ride this uh, wave and, and be along the journey and, you know, continue to have some of the freaking best people on the planet around me. Yeah that make me way better than I actually am um, and watching them succeed and watching them flourish. Um, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, and that's a, I think we miss that sometimes with our work that, man, it's watching what my team gets to do and watching them succeed and seeing things happen for them, man, it's, it's, it's a, it's fun. Yeah. And um, I couldn't ask for anything more than that. Well, this has been a, a really refreshing episode because this uh, this episode, this conversation has reminded me like, ah, oh, this is why I like podcasting. This is fun because we get to like talk about, you know, the everything. And, and it's super interesting and super, yeah, unique. And not a lot of people get to get to sit down with people like you and, and others that we've had and, and have these conversations. So I just want to say thank you for bringing it because uh, the people that are surround you that make you better than who you are, then – they're, they're doing a great job because it's been super great to, to have this conversation with you and, and really geek out on, on just your story and the industry and yeah, all of it. Oh man, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for all you're doing and, and really highlighting the industry. Yeah. Um, some, you know, having some of these, sometimes I'm sure tough conversations about the industry, yeah. um, you know, for everyone that's listening to your podcast, 
um, the support that they're giving you so you can continue to do this. I think it's necessary. So thanks. Thanks a lot for having us on. And uh, I look forward to having you uh, out here with us at the bar so we can chat a little more. Yes. Yes. This time we'll, I won't bring my microphone. I'll, I'll leave it at home and, and we'll, we'll just enjoy the <laughs> Sounds conversation. Sounds good. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And where can everyone find you? I, I love to give our, our guests the opportunity for uh, the listeners who are just going, going through the show notes so you can click on two to three links, whatever you want. Uh, website, yeah. email, LinkedIn, whatever you, you name it. Yeah. Website is, is ellisadamsgroup.com. Um, my personal Instagram, uh, love to, to have people join us kind of on this journey of getting to see the crazy stuff we get to do. Yeah. It's, um, all one word, Chris Adams underscore E A G. Um, or you can follow Ellis Adams at Ellis Adams official, um, on Instagram as well and join the team, join the family and, and watch this crazy ride we get to do around the world. I love it. Well, you heard it here at Slick Talkers. Make sure you click everything in the show notes, follow, like, subscribe, everything Ellis Adams, and make sure that you guys stay tuned for another great episode next week. And Chris, my man, thank you so much. And we'll talk again very soon. Thanks, Bill. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Podcast.